This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, The Spirit Realm is Real, and it comes out of 1 Samuel 28, verses 3 through 25. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and town rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gift. As a matter of fact, if you listen to WMER regularly, you know that we've been rebuilding our studio. That means a new console board that we had to pay for, a new computer for the automation system, a new computer that we are now streaming over the internet. All that takes funds, and the money that you give goes 100% towards those expenses. It doesn't go towards salaries. It doesn't go to pay somebody's salary. So won't you do that today? Won't you make a gift? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Also, if you missed a previous lesson, you'd like to go back and listen to a lesson that we've taught on. You can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. And also you can catch us wherever you consume your podcast, wherever you like to listen to them. We're there too. So just search for WMER, Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. So we pick back up today after studying last week about how David didn't guard his heart, how he spoke some wrong things into his heart and put him into a downward spiral. And we're going to see next week the outcome of his decision of living a double life, how he moved into enemy territory because he was just tired. He was tired of Saul chasing him. Saul has chased him for over 10 years now. And he's just finally said, hey, Saul's going to eventually catch me. He's going to kill me. But that's not what the prophets had told him. That's not what Samuel had told him. That's not what everyone that spoke to him had said. He had forgotten God's promise. And what did he do? He put his trust in himself. He had forgotten to put his trust in God. That God, you have spoken those words and blessings over me. I'm going to walk in faith with you. No, he gotten tired. And when we get tired, we make bad decisions. And David made a bad decision. And he made excuses for these bad decisions as things start to happen. And then because things start to happen, that is the Holy Spirit working, yet he doesn't listen to the discomfort. As a matter of fact, he starts justifying his sin. And when we get distracted, when we make bad decisions, sometimes we start justifying our sins. But, you know, it's just a little bitty sin. I do all this other stuff right. God will overlook that. But we cannot justify our sins. Sin is sin, and we have to ask God to forgive us. But ultimately, God will make us make a decision when we try to live a double life. And that's where we ended last week. The Philistines and the Israelites were coming into a huge battle. And what happens? The king of the Philistines says, David, I want you to be my bodyguard. I want you to go with me. I want you to fight with us. And, and so David is at the back with the king, and he is to protect the king. And so he's going to have to make a decision. And, and what he tells the king is that you're my master. I will serve you. I will do that. I will fight against the nation of Israel. 
So that's where we finished last week. This week is a chapter that you normally won't hear a pastor say from the pulpit. It's not a typical sermon you'd preach if you're trying to bring people in and grow the church. But there is some very clear teaching that comes out of this. Because we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, today we're going to cover this chapter and we're going to look at the spirit world and we're going to look at what we're not supposed to do, how we're not to tap into the demonic, how we're not to be like King Saul. When we're out of touch with God, what we should do is ask for forgiveness, not turn to other alternatives. And we see how low Saul has gotten. Saul now turns to the demonic world, the spirit world, because God will not answer him. He won't answer in time. Well, let's jump into this. I have a lot to cover. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 28. We'll start in verse 3. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shechem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilbo. And when Saul saw the armies of the Philistine, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to the servant, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a medium in Endor. We'll stop right there for now. Saul is now in a worrisome situation. That's the first thing I want you to see. The Bible tells us when he looked at the army of the Philistines, verse 5, when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid. He was worried. His heart trembled greatly. Let's dive into this. Why was Saul worried? First, Samuel is dead. One of the prophets that he would always go to to get advice on what God wanted him to do is dead. Samuel is dead. We saw that back in chapter 25 that happened. But it was repeated again right here for us to take note that Samuel has died and everyone's mourned and he's been buried. Even though Samuel's dead, I don't believe that's 100% the reason why he's afraid. First of all, Saul was always a little bit skittish. Even after Samuel had anointed him king way back What did he do? He hid when he was supposed to be presented in front of of the nation of Israel. So here we see that he was even skittish. Then over time, Saul became this 90% guy. He was faithful to God about 90% of the time, but the other 10% of the time he did things his own way. He had a rebellious streak in him that we will see today becomes really bad. But this rebellious strength ultimately is what cost him his kingdom. He disobeyed God when he spared King Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And he also kept all that livestock. Remember that Samuel came to him and he said, hey, why didn't you obey the Lord? And he said, I did. I did what I was supposed to. He did 90% of what the Lord told him to do. He was supposed to wipe everything out, but it was okay with him. He thought to keep the best of the livestock. And that's what Samuel said. He's like, well, then what's these goats that I hear going by? He kept the livestock he wasn't supposed to. He didn't kill the king. And then he went overboard again when he disobeyed God when he was impatient. He was supposed to wait seven days. The priests were supposed to do the sacrificial offering. But when they're about to go to battle, he's waiting on Samuel. Samuel doesn't get there. It's not nighttime yet. But he goes ahead and does the sacrifice. As he does the sacrifice, Samuel walks up and goes, what are you doing? Why are you doing the sacrifice? He said, I did a good thing. We sacrificed. Samuel said, I was supposed to do that, not you. See, he disobeyed time and time again. He disobeyed God when he had the 85 priests killed at the town of Nob, again because they helped David. 
And then for the last several weeks, we've studied about how he's chased after David time and time again, trying to kill David. And that was not of God. All of these things that I've kind of reminded you of as we've studied are bad, but that's not as bad as what we're going to see today. Now we see Saul disobeying God by consulting a medium. He's asked for the advice of a witch. And this is clearly forbidden in Scripture. Why is it forbidden? It's because mediums and spiritists, they tap into the demonic realm. In Deuteronomy 18, 9, 11, it says, When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or his daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery or interprets omens or engages in witchcraft or casts spells or who's a medium or a spiritist or consults the dead. Leviticus also taught on this as well. In Leviticus 9.31, it says, Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. When we go to a medium, we're putting that above God. God's not enough. I need a little additional help. God can't take care of it. That's what we're saying. This is idol worship, even though you may not be sitting down and worshiping an idol. And in verse 3, if you look at the second half of it, after Samuel's death, you see that Saul knew this was wrong. It says, and Saul put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. In other words, he's kicked them out. It's against the law to do it. We'll see that later down again. So Saul knew this was wrong, yet he goes and does it anyhow. So we find that Saul is so far out of God's will at this point that God won't speak to him. He won't speak to the prophets. He won't speak through the unum, which was like dice that they would do to get a yes or no answer. And he's not even speaking through dreams that he does use sometimes. And so what does he do? He asks or he consults a medium. He says, go find me a witch, a medium who can answer my question. Saul feels alone. You know, when we get out of touch with God, when we let sin separate us from God, when we get sin in our life and our walk with God gets separated God becomes silent. Actually, he's still there. He's still speaking. It's just that sin and what we've done blocks us from being able to tune into him. And that's where Saul's at. Saul cannot get an answer. And so he turns to what he shouldn't do and he knew was wrong. So he goes to switch to consult with. And let's continue. Look at verse 8 with me. So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, and he and two men with him. And they came to a woman by night, and he said, Divine for me by a spirit, and bring up for me whoever I shall name to you. And the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from this land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? So apparently not only has Saul told them they can't do this, but it is a death sentence if you're caught doing this. That's what she says right there. Why are you trying to have me killed? But Saul swore to her by the Lord. As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? He said, bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming out of the earth. And he said to her, what is his appearance? And he said, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel and he bowed and his face to the ground and he paid homage. So as I point out in verse 9, this woman says that surely you know what Saul's done, right? So again, he knows it's wrong, 
But as Saul sitting there in a disguise, he's wearing a hoodie, he's got sunglasses on, he's got on the mustache and fake beard probably. But whatever it is, Saul is sitting there. She doesn't recognize him, which we'll get to in just a second. She probably should have if she's truly a spiritist, but she doesn't recognize him. And you go, well, he was disguised, Tim. Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that he was a foot taller than anybody else in Israel. It doesn't take a whole lot of smarts to know that if someone comes in that's 6'6", and he's an Israelite, and he's disguised or not, that's probably King Saul. But she doesn't realize it. That's what the Bible tells us. Well, anyhow, here they are. Here is Saul sitting in front of her. She doesn't know that it's Saul. And here she says, if I do this, I could die. When she says that, Saul should immediately got up and hightailed it out for two reasons. One, she doesn't realize it, but she just reminded him the law of the Lord, how it was against the law, how it was a death sentence for you to use a medium. He should have got up and run right there. It was his law. She just reminded him, and she doesn't know that, but he should have got up and ran. And then the second reason why he should have got up and ran is if she doesn't recognize him, she can't be that great of a medium. But that wasn't her trade anyhow. She wasn't supposed to recognize her trade was to tap into the demonic. The Bible tells us that there is a spiritual battle that's going on. Ephesians 6:12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. God prohibits this because it is so evil and it's so wrong, because right here we see in Ephesians that we are battling against the folks we're consulting with, because they are evil. They are working in the present darkness. They are tapping into spiritual forces that are evil. Now, let me just say, not every person that you're going to go to, some of them are frauds. They're flat-out frauds. But those that are doing what they can do, and I'm not talking about illusionists either. There are Christian illusionists that do sleight of hands that distract you to look one way while they do something else. Those are tricks. That's nothing to do with magic. But what we're talking about here is someone that is tapping into the demonic spirit world. And let me tell you, it is still operating today. A lot of people say, oh, we live in an enlightened world. That was back when people didn't understand. It still lives today. The Bible calls it out right here in Ephesians. I want you to understand, there are people that have dismissed this because it's too Hollywoodish. It's something of just the culture that we live in. But don't be deceived. The media has trained us to be less sensitive to it. You can go back, I'm going to date myself real quick. You can go back when I was growing up, I used to watch Bewitched. And again, not that that was a great show to watch, but it desensitized us to spells and warlocks and witches. Since that time when my kids were growing up, they watched The Witches of Waverly, I, Harry Potter came out. Hollywood has done a really good job of desensitizing us. They've taken dark, evil stuff and they've wooed us, they've wowed us, they've sucked us in and they made it entertainment. And because of that, we have become desensitized. Some of you might even be going, Tim, let's don't go there, but we need to stay away from this stuff. We need to stay away from a Ouija board, even if you think it's just fun. We need to stay away from seances and palm readers. Don't rely on tarot cards or even seeking your horoscope, trying to get the stars to tell you what's going to happen in the future. See, people will dismiss this saying, oh, they're just frauds. This is fraudulent. No, there are some that are legit and they tie into the demonic occult. 
some of them do play that best guess game, but others, when they say, hey, I'm feeling someone here that their deceased Uncle Charlie died in a car wreck. And all of a sudden, somebody said, I have an Uncle Charlie. Yeah, he died in a car wreck. And their daughter was on the back seat, but she lived. They started to go, how did he know? But that psychic or that medium that is tapping into this is tapping into demons. Now, demons are fallen angels. They're evil angels. They're the ones that decided to go with the devil when he got kicked out of heaven. We can't see into the spirit realm, but the Bible tells us that the angels watch us. And so that means the demons can see into the physical realm. Now, the Bible does tell us that in Hebrews that we do uh, entertain angels unaware. Uh, There's a point where God allows an angel to take over a body of some type or take on some type of form. I don't want to get into that. That's beyond the scope of where we're going today. But I want you to understand that the spirit realm is real. And the spirit realm is being used not only for good for us to walk in the spirit and us to be guided by the spirit. But there are a demonic side of it. There's an occult side of it. And there are people that are tapping into that and they are legit. Now, probably most of them aren't, but there are some that are legit. I say all that to say that the spirit world can see into our world and they are familiar what went on. And so if this person, this medium is able to ask about Uncle Charlie and the wreck that he's in, how he died and how the woman got was in the backseat, the child was in the backseat, they didn't get hurt and all the details they know. They could be talking to a familiar spirit. And I want to point that out real quick. I want you to look at something with me in the Bible. And it's in the King James Version. If you go back to verse 7, Saul asked his servant, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. That's why this is so evil. You're tapping and getting that familiar spirit to speak to you about what it knows from the spirit world that we can't see into. That is very demonic. How does this apply to you and I? Well, first of all, if you find yourself like Saul, where you feel like you can't speak to God, you need to keep turning to him. Turn to those spiritual people around you. Turn to the prayer warriors that you know. Don't turn to the occult side. Listen to what David wrote when he was in desperation. Psalms 142, verses 5 and 6. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in a desperate need. I'm already getting low on time, so I need to move on. What's going to happen now is this medium is going to get the shock of her life. Why is she going to get the shock of her life? Because she's expecting that familiar spirit that I was just telling you about, and she gets something totally different. Look back at verse 12 with me real quick. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. As I studied for this lesson, there was a lot of great debate about this. Was it really Samuel that she's seeing, or was it a demon that was imitating Samuel? And really, it's almost split halfway down the line. Half the commentators will say it is Samuel and that God did this. Others say that it's a demon spirit. I lean toward the side that this is really Samuel that's coming up. Most of the ones that say this is Samuel say it's Samuel because one, The medium is shocked. It's not that familiar spirit. It's a new spirit. And so it shocks her. And then you see that King Saul asked her, said, well, hold on, just calm down. I know you found out it's me. And the commentators say that because they think Samuel was calling out Saul, Saul. And so he says, do not be afraid of what you see. What do you see? And she tells about, he sees this old man coming up. 
And I want to pick back up next what happens after he lays down. He knows that Samuel, that's the second reason, is the Bible says that Saul knew it was Samuel, that he wasn't fooled. Based on what she described, he would have known Samuel. He was close to Samuel. So the second reason that the commentators believe that this is Samuel truly being brought up through God, a, a supernatural act, is that he recognized based on description and he falls to the ground and he pays homage. But the most telling reason that they think it is, I'll start with verse 15 and we'll read through verse 19 real quick. Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me and God has turned away from me and answered me no more either by prophet or by dreams. Therefore, I summon you to tell me what I should do. And Samuel said, why then do you ask me? Since the Lord has turned from you and becoming your enemy. The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it up to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and you did not carry out the fierce wrath against the Malachites. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel over with you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also in the hands of the Philistines. He mentions Yahweh. If you go look at every time he says the Lord, that is Yahweh. Demons don't call out the Lord and use that word. So again, seven times it is said the Lord or Yahweh. And then there, right here at the very end that I read to you, is there's prophetic element of it. Demons can't predict the future. And we know this happens. And this comes about. We see that in chapter 31. But through this conversation with Samuel, Samuel speaks to Saul and he tells him, one, why God's not speaking to him. In verse 16, Samuel says, dude, why did you ask for me since the Lord has turned away from you? Come on, man. You're becoming the Lord's enemy. You have not done what the Lord has told you to do. And he starts naming them off. You've not obeyed the Lord. You did not carry out the wrath that were against the Malachites. And because of all that, now the Lord won't speak to you because you're not looking and asking for forgiveness for what you did wrong. And then Samuel throws the final blow saying that God is doing what he said he would do when I told you that earlier. God has taken the kingdom from you, Saul, and he's giving it to David. He's ultimately telling that when God spoke to you before, you wouldn't listen. Why should he expect you to listen now? And what you and I need to understand is that if we want God to speak to us, we need to start listening. We need to understand that God will come to a point where he says, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm just going to quit talking to you. I'm going to turn over to your sin. I'm going to let you have your sin. I've had people tell me before, Tim, if God wanted me to stop doing this, they would tell me. No, God doesn't want you to do what you're doing. He sent people that told you to stop. He's given you the Bible to tell you not to do it. Yet if you're going to keep doing it, he's just going to quit speaking to you about it. Ultimately, God will judge every disobedience. And Samuel brings that word right back to Saul and reminds him of that. And then he speaks that prophetic word through that disobedient judgment. He says, this time tomorrow, you'll be over here with me. And also Israel will be handed in the hands to the Philistines. I wasn't there, but I can only imagine if I heard my fate. And that's what Samuel tells him. He tells him his fate. He says, tomorrow you're going to be with me. Your judgment is you die tomorrow. Not only you, but your sons die with you. 
And not only that, but because of the way you've led the nation of Israel, they're going into captivity with the Philistines. You may say, Tim, isn't that kind of harsh that he's killing him? Well, the wages of sin is death. That's what Romans tells us. And Romans 2 tells us that God will give to each person according to what he's done. To those who are persistent in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immorality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. When you ignore God, when you bypass the obedience that God's telling you to do, you can rest assured that God will judge that disobedience. It may not be immediate, but he will judge it. Well, let's wrap this up on how Saul responds. Verse 20 through 25. Look at that with me real quick. Then Saul fell at once full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul. And when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand and listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. And he refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she quickly killed it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread out of it. And she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. His fate is sealed. He doesn't ask for forgiveness. Look at, he doesn't do that when he responds. He immediately takes what Samuel says as the gospel truth and he falls completely down on his face and lays out on the ground. One could say this is truly hitting rock bottom. Saul has come all the way from being a chosen king, now laying flat out dead before the prophet of God because he consulted a medium and was given that word that he's dying tomorrow. As we've studied Saul, we've seen him as a brave man. We've seen him step into action at time. But here Saul is just pitiful. We find him flat on the ground, filled with fear, not eating, completely drained of strength, and being judged by God. Even the witch takes pity on him, and she offers him some food so that he can get on his way and get out of her house. She don't want to be any part of this anymore. In 1 Chronicles 10.13, it says that Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. Today we see the beginning of the end of a man that started out so well. Saul was a man that was initially reluctant to even be the king. He was filled with God and the Spirit came over him. That's what it tells us in early 1 Samuel. He prophesied in God's name, but he also had pride and arrogance and rebellion. And he was jealous. Jealousy filled his heart. We've studied that for the last several weeks, how jealous he was of David and how he tried to kill him. But unlike Saul, today, no matter where you are, no matter how far you've come, whether you started off right like Saul did and became that 90-10 person because you still did some stuff in your own strength to the point where Saul was 10% God, 90% himself, it's not too late. You can come back to God. You can confess that sin. You can stop the judgment. Saul could have done that, yet he let Samuel, as he told him the judgment, instead of repenting, he fell to the ground. Today, are you willing to confess your sin before God? That's what he's doing. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. See, God is standing at your heart today and he's knocking. 
If you listen to my voice and you open the door, we can have that communication again. You can start hearing from me. And that's all it would have taken for Saul. So today, are you letting some sin separate you and God and not being able to hear God? Saul went the other direction. He tried to solve the problem in his own strength. Are you trying to solve your problems in your own strength? Or will you be like David in Psalms 142? Will you cry out to the Lord? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we come to a very sober part of this study that we're in. We see how far that your anointing has gotten away from you. We see a desperate man. We see that when we get desperate, sometimes we don't turn to you. We turn to what we think will help us in whatever we need. We try to solve it with our own eyes and our own mind and our own strength. And that's what ultimately got Saul in trouble. Lord, I pray today for those that are listening. Lord, the one that is in a problem, maybe they showed up today, they're desperate for something to hear from you, but for whatever reason, they haven't heard from you. Lord, let them check their heart. Let them check themselves. Let them confess any sins they have. Lord, let them listen to what you've told them to do. Let them become obedient again. Lord, speak to them. Lord, open. Let your Holy Spirit convict them of what's going on and so that they can lay it at your feet and they can become right with you. They can turn from that sin and chase after you. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't know you today. Lord, I pray today would be the day that they would ask for forgiveness of their sins. Lord, they would believe on your finished work on the cross. They would say, I need you, Lord. I need you to be my Lord. You died on the cross and I need your blood to cover my sin because there's nothing I can do. It's only through you. Lord, they would confess with their mouths and they would chase after you. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you give this ministry. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.